You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Good morning, Bucknuts. It is Sunday, October 27th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our Sunday morning podcast in season. We've got a great show lined up for you today. The Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Curlick, will join us, as well as Dave Biddle. The people champ, Matt Baxendale, is previously indisposed and will not be able to join us this week. But we will have our usual round of fun here. We will start with Bill. Bill, how goes it? Very well this morning. A uh, little weather change the last couple of days in Columbus, and it's gray, a little dreary out there, but uh, Buckeye land is not in the least bit dreary here in Columbus. Uh, very happy. Uh, you know, 38-7 to 7 win over Wisconsin, and, you know, I couldn't help but think, um, you know, as impressive as that game was yesterday, um, think had Wisconsin not stubbed their toe and lost to Illinois and been a top six team or whatever, and Ohio State given them that drubbing, what it would have looked like. You know, as impressive as it was, it would have even looked a lot more impressive. And I think it would have happened either way had Wisconsin lost or 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 won against Illinois. So just a dominating performance again. You know, they figure it out in the second quarter, and then it was good to see that they got challenged a little bit in the second half uh, when it became 10-7, to and, and they just put their foot on the gas and, and dominated from there on out. And, you know, we talk a lot about the recruits that Ryan Day has uh, landed since his uh, tenure started at Ohio State, but when you're talking about recruits, you know, how about the recruiting job he did coaching-wise? You know, Jeff Halfley, Greg Madison, Al Washington, and Matt Barnes on the defensive side, and then Mike Yursich as the offensive uh, co-passing game coordinator and quarterback's coach. You know, what a grand slam Ryan Day got in hiring those guys. You know, the difference in the defense this year is obvious, uh, obviously a world of difference, and, um, you know, how much can you say about what the job those coaches have done? Um, you know, I was talking to a parent of a recruit yesterday, a parent of a commitment, an Ohio State commitment. He, he just called the job that Jeff Halfley has done amazing. And his comment was, I just hope he stays at Ohio State for a long, long time. And I think Buckeye fans, the longer this staff stays together, the better it's going to be for the Buckeyes. Just tremendous job. You know, you don't want to get into a case here where we're giving too much credit to the staff because you obviously got the kids on the field getting it done. But I've been following football for a long time. I've made it my career. I have never in the history of watching football seen one unit get so much better after one season or season to season without really any change in personnel as the defense for Ohio State. 
they were a bad defense last year. This is not going to be news to most. You're a, a tad bit more senior than myself. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, I really haven't. And, you know, uh, like you said, there hasn't been a lot of personnel changes. Um, combination of great coaching and players going out, getting better, and getting the job done. You know, like you said, it's a combination of both. And it's it's just that this defense is elite. You know, to do what they did to Wisconsin and, and Jonathan Taylor yesterday, you know, it was above what I think anybody could expect. We would be remiss if we did not point out the play of Chase Young. You catch yourself thinking, you know, better than the Boses, best defensive end at Ohio State. Put in context what you saw from Chase Young yesterday and the great defensive ends they've had here. You know, and I was I was talking with someone yesterday about that that is very familiar with the Boses yesterday, and and even this person said that uh, you know. What a tough call it is. If you had to pick one defensive end, would you pick one of the Boses or Chase Young? You know, uh, right now I think I'd go with Chase Young probably, but gosh, you know, what what a uh, comparison and a, and a difficult task if you'd have to pick one. And, you know, i got to say something about two guys. You know, it was great seeing Chase Young do what he did yesterday, and it was great seeing his parents um on the post-game show, I've told the story before about how I uh, was sitting in the stands when Chase Young committed, and I was talking to his dad, uh, and then uh, Chase Young commits out on the field at Friday Night Lights, and his dad gets called out. He, he and I had been together talking. He gets called out onto the field and gives me the thumbs up that Chase had just committed to Ohio State. Um that that day, you know, I got to know Chase Young's dad uh, a bit and all, and it just what a tremendous family! I got his Chase Young's sister was with him. You know what a great family they they are, and uh, just it was great to see those people on TV yesterday. And then the other guy I got to point out, Justin Hilliard. You know the guy's been here forever. Uh, he was a five-star linebacker coming out of high school. Unfortunately, injuries have really curtailed his performance. But uh, what a, what a great thing. He's just stuck with it. And to see him get meaningful minutes yesterday in a game like that, uh, again, great family. And I, I was just so happy to see that for Justin Hilliard yesterday as well. Bill, that's a great point. Justin Hilliard started the game and made some excellent plays. He's always been great at diagnosing plays and getting there first. Sometimes he doesn't have the size to take on the lead blocker, but he was all over the place yesterday. And Chase Young, yeah, I mean, not sure what else you'd expect after, out of a fine DMD family. And by the way, it looks like his dad could give us 10 snaps a game in a pinch. Um <laughs> Let's talk recruiting. Who was there, Bill? Uh, who stood in the rain? The general reaction from the recruits. If you could give us the top down, that'd be great. Well, uh, a shameless plug. I had an article last night on our site, reaction from recruits. Some at the game, some from around the country, and I've updated that again this morning on, on Sunday morning. And uh, Jack Miller's on his official visit, and uh, I'm told that's going extremely well and obviously won't end. Uh, it's not a, over yet. It is an official visit, but uh, great to have Jack Miller and, and his family in the house uh, on an official visit. Uh, then you've got the two uh, five-star 2021 guys, Amika Egbuka, a tremendous wide receiver from the state of Wisconsin, Will Shipley, uh, from running back, uh, slot back type guy from from North Carolina. Um, you know that that two huge, huge names. Um, 
that Ohio State is very happy of Uka. Uh, he's been to Ohio State before, so getting him back on campus always a great thing for Ohio State. Uh, um, and I, I should say that a lot of the guys, some of the guys at least, um, that are visiting this weekend, even though they're unofficial visits, they're staying or have stayed overnight and are finishing their visits today on Sunday to Ohio State. Uh, case in point, Deuce Chestnut, a defensive back um, from uh, the East Coast, and then uh, another defensive back from the state of Georgia. These are 2021 guys. Um, that have made it to the game, Jordan Hancock. So, you know, it's not the visit weekend that, say, Penn State is going to be, but it's still an important visit weekend for Ohio State nonetheless. Bill, give us an idea of what's coming up now. If you look at the schedule, Buckeyes have another bye week, then they'll host Maryland, they go on the road to Rutgers, host Penn State, like you mentioned, and then go, go on the road to see Jim Harbaugh and the Fighting Khakis. What do you expect out of the bye week? And then maybe put in context the Maryland and Penn State visits in terms of who we can expect and the general vibe for those weekends. Well, more coaches uh, on the road again. Uh, They'll be out to the different high schools around the country. And then come uh, next weekend, they'll be out at games as well. So be coaches on the road. There'll be coaches working the phone, of course, too. Um, So be more recruiting and, and again, a chance for Ohio State to to get a little healthier um, and, you know, prepare for the last stretch run of the season. Um, You know, the Maryland game, as you mentioned, Dan, is the next home game, the, the biggest name right now there. As far as the 2020 class, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia is making an unofficial visit and providing all goes well. His plan would be then to make an official visit back to Ohio State. Uh, the visit, the Buckeyes also may be getting a five-star defensive end from Texas visiting that game, Landon Jackson. He, uh, that's his plan right now. Uh, so it's not going to be, again, a huge visit weekend, but it'll have some important names. And then the, the Penn State game, November 23rd, that's the Michigan game of this year, so to speak, since Michigan is a away game. That's the Michigan uh, game as far as recruiting. That is the game. It's going to be huge. Um, you know, the atmosphere will be lit. Some of the top prospects in the country, many of them will be in Ohio State um, for visits. So, you know, a lot to look forward to uh, the last few weeks of the regular season and uh, both on the recruiting trail and on, you know, the, the game trail, so to speak, as well. You know, much, much to look forward to as the season winds down, the regular season, that is. Bill, these interviews are starting to feel templated. Let's hope we can keep it up. Have a great Sunday. We appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Dan. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be back with Dave Biddle. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Oh, if you people could only hear what goes on in the breaks. As promised, we are joined by Dave Biddle. Dave, how are you on this fine Sunday? I'm doing great on this Sunday, Dan. Buckeyes, again, look like the best team in college football. Take the Badgers behind the woodshed. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch that game, at least after the first quarter. It was a lot of fun. 
Your prediction for the game, nobody predicted they'd go over 40 points. Put in context what you thought was going to happen and then what you actually saw. Yeah, my score prediction was 38-17. So I got, you know, got the Buckeyes right, but uh, I gave the Badgers too much credit, not, not enough credit to this Buckeye defense. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you look at that stat line, 20 carries for 52 yards, and then the rest of the stat line says Heisman campaign over. And, you know, it's like a tradition at Ohio State, a big-time running back will come in, and basically his you know Heisman campaign will end when he plays against the Buckeyes. We've seen it time and time again. Um, this defense is the best defense in the country. I think the offense is elite, but the defense is even better than the offense. So, um, you know, I, uh, I gave Wisconsin too many points in my prediction when I gave them 17. Um, the Buckeyes just uh, – you look at that score, 38-7 to against Wisconsin. I mean – I don't, know, I don't know if anybody saw that coming. The defense was not good last year. I mean, it was it was bad. It was undisciplined. They gave up a ton of big plays. And now they're like the standard bearer for not giving up big plays. I said it before when Bill was on. I've been watching football my whole life. I've never rooted for a team where one unit has changed this much with really not that many personnel changes. It's, I almost feel like I'm giving too much credit to the coaches and not enough to the players. It is. I would say more than 50% coaching, certainly. Um, I wouldn't say it's like 90% coaching. These, these players are elite. Um, you know, they have five-star players, you know, at every level of their defense. Um, as Joel Klatt pointed out yesterday, I was rewatching the game, um, of the eight best defensive players that were being recruited in the 2017 class, in the entire country, the eight best players, four of them are on Ohio State's team. Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Sean Wade, Baron Browning. Those are four of the eight top defensive prospects in the country. they got four of them. I mean, it's amazing. Um, and so a lot of it is players. Chase Young is the best player in college football. Um, they, they're loaded with talent and depth. But they were loaded with talent and, talent and depth last year. Now, was Chase Young the same player last year as he is this year? No. Um, but he was really good. He was also hurt last year, though. But they had plenty of talent last year. This really makes Shiano look bad. Yes, it makes Grinch look bad, too, but from what I understand, Shiano, even things that Grinch wanted to do, a lot of times Shiano would just say, no, I don't want to do that. So this was this is really on Shiano. We can make fun of Grinch all we want and say, look at what happened with Oklahoma, and he wasn't working hard enough at Ohio State. Maybe all that's true, but trust me, Shiano is the one that is in the crosshairs here, and, you know, he just looks terrible, and... You know, will this affect his future employment? You know, not. I guess not if he's going to go to Rutgers. They probably won't look at it that closely. But if anybody who looks at this closely and sees what an exponential improvement Ohio State has made, they've gone from the number, number 72 total defense in the country to when the stats come out, they're going to be the number one defense in the country. They're going to be the number one scoring defense. They're just the best defense, period. So you go from 72nd in the country to first, yeah, it's mostly coaching in my opinion. And, you know, I want to give Greg Madison a lot of credit, but to me the guy that is most responsible is Jeff Halfley. This guy, if they can keep him for another year, I'll be thrilled. Um, he's an absolute star. He will be a Power 5 head coach, and not like at Rutgers. You know, he, he'll wait until he gets a good Power 5 job. I know he's a Jersey guy. He's not going to leave Ohio State for Rutgers. There's just no way in hell he would do that. He will stay until he gets a good Power 5 job, and I think that will only take one more year. I mean, there's a chance it could happen after this year, but he's not going to leave Ohio State for some low-level Power 5 job where he knows he's going to get his teeth kicked in. Um, he's going to want a team where he – at least has some talent when he takes over the program. So Jeff Halfley, to me, Dan, is is the story there. He is the reason that the defense has actualized its potential this year. You know, Tennessee football has not earned a lot of wins on the field, but they can honestly say they affected Ohio State's season last year. If Shiano hadn't come back, I think Grinch would have done a much better job, and who knows where we'd be now. 
All right, we've done all the, the positive, and listen, we're going to point out a few concerns here. That doesn't mean we're being negative. It means we're trying to have some type of a balanced show where it doesn't sound like I'm running a PR campaign. And it's hard. They're that good. But let's go over a couple concerns, and I don't want to pick on anybody, but I have no earthly idea why they have DeMario McCall back there returning punts when, one, he's just not very good at it. He's, he's okay fielding them. He, he's not particularly explosive. I'm sorry. Um, we're not at North Ridgeville anymore. I haven't seen it. And the guy they have as a replacement, Garrett Wilson, is better at fielding it, is more reliable, is a better runner after the catch. He's also a freshman who you want to get on the field because he's behind some great receivers. There were times when I really thought Wisconsin's best offense would be to stall at about our 50 and punt it and get inside our 10 maybe with McCall returning it. Please explain to me why DeMario McCall is still back there returning punts. Yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. As I wrote about in what we learned yesterday, um, I had jotted down in my notes, um, why in the hell is DeMario McCall returning punts and not Garrett Wilson? And this was well before Garrett Wilson's long punt return. So as I put in what we learned, I swear on my life I wrote this down before, <laughs> before Garrett Wilson's long punt return. So that just exasperated for me. I mean, it's just like, it was already obvious before Garrett Wilson even stood on the field that he should have been out there. Then he takes one, he looks like such a natural, you know, he just looks like a great punt returner. It's supposed to look out there, the way he avoids, uh, you know, defenders, how just how natural he is with his cutting motion. He, he knows when to turn on the speed and when to kind of just, you know, do a little jump stop to make, you know, he just is such a natural at returning punts, whereas Damari McCall looks like he's fighting it all the time. I know it wasn't a punt, but just remember the Michigan game last year. He briefly kept them in the Michigan game on that kickoff when he fumbled that. Yesterday, he's you know falling back on the 10. Um, it's really lucky he caught that ball. Cause I thought, I mean, at that point, when you're falling backwards in the rain trying to catch a punt, it's maybe a 50-50 proposition at best, I mean, especially when you don't have great hands. Um, so, and we saw guys with great hands, you know, the ball going right through their hands yesterday with the gloves. You know, Olave, K.J. Hill had a couple of drops, which is really rare. Say it was a couple of drops. I mean, both of them were kind of behind him, especially one was way behind him. But usually K.J. Hill makes those catches. But, yeah, I mean, Garrett Wilson needs to be the punt returner. And I imagine Ryan Day will make that decision. Um, I don't know. He's made so many tough decisions. It's almost like they're just trying to find a role for Demario McCall because they like him as a young man. Maybe they, they kind of feel bad for him because he was supposed to be the backup running back, and Master Teague said, nope. And then maybe he'll be the third-string running back, and Marcus Crowley said, nope. And, well, maybe we'll get you in there offense here and there on an H-back. Nope. He has no role at all. So his only role right now is punt returner. They've taken the kick return out of college football for the most part. So his only role is punt returner. He's soon going to have no role. And he's a guy we were all high on. We called him run DMC when he was a true freshman. Then he redshirted as a, when he should have been a sophomore. And last year's a third-year sophomore didn't do anything. We're, okay, this is the year. This is the year for Demario McCall, and I like him. He's a good young man, and that's probably why Brian Day has a soft spot for him. He wants him to do well. He's a veteran on the team. Everybody likes him. Um, but it's time to go with Garrett Wilson as the full-time punt returner, in my opinion. You can still get Demario McCall out there when you know against Rutgers and Maryland, but Penn State, Michigan. Uh, uh-uh. I want Garrett Wilson out there. Any other concerns that jump out to you at this point? You know, the sacks were an issue yesterday, but a couple of those were just fluky. You know, Josh Myers had the, you know, Josh Myers was playing great this year. He forgot the snap count. It's not good when you're the center and you forget the snap count. Um, and the reason I think it was him that forgot the snap count, nobody else moved, <laughs> including Justin Fields. He was, like, shocked the ball was being snapped to him. He looked um, around and wanted a do-over. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I didn't count, did it? Um, Mulligan. And then there was one where, you know, Justin Fields is just, I don't think this counted as a sack, but it was a perfect snap from Josh Myers with a hit. Justin right in the face mask. Um, lucky he didn't lose a fumble there. 
you know, and there was some other, you know, some blitzes I thought Wisconsin's got to tip their cap. Jim Leonard's a good defensive coach. He was mixing things up a lot yesterday. It's kind of what you hope Don Brown doesn't end up doing where I guess he's starting to do it a little bit where he, Don Brown's just like, I'm man coverage all the time. And it's like, okay, 62 points later, how's that working out for you? Uh, how, how those crossing routes working on, on your slow DBs? Um, Jim Leonard mixes, mixes things up a lot. He'll go man, one play, zone the next, a lot like what Ohio State does. Um, and I got to tip my cap to Wisconsin for some good defensive plays. You're not going to get through a game like that and not have Wisconsin make some plays. So the offensive line does need to shore up some issues um, and nothing major. I think Thayer Munford's out there playing banged up. Um, they're probably all banged up. Uh, the, the bye week to me comes at a good time and uh, the second bye week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. I guess that's, that's, that'd be my mild concerns. With there, was, there was a lot of pressure on Justin Fields, and you know he was able to avoid the pressure a couple times, including a couple of third and tens in the first half where he avoided pressure and then hit Dobbins for a first down. Um, third down conversions were huge yesterday. The Buckeyes were 9 of 14 on third downs, including the first touchdown of the game was like a third and 13 when he hit Olave for the touchdown to make it 10 nothing. Um, I think we all know. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin was still in the game then. Once Ohio State got up 10 nothing, you're feeling really good if you're Ohio State. You're not feeling as good when Wisconsin makes it 10-7 um, to start the second half. But then as soon as you get a two-score lead on Wisconsin, you're feeling really good. So the Buckeyes dominated on third down, including defensively. They did a good job on third down, and Wisconsin was only 4 of 13. So Ohio State just, you know, that was the key stat um, when you look at team stats was third down. Um, and then Chase Young, just unbelievable, man. Four sacks in one game to tie a school record. He's now a half sack away from – the season record of sacks, which Vernon Golston set in 2007 with 14, Chase Young with 13 and a half sacks. I mean, he's the best player in college football. Will he win the Heisman? I mean, if they do the right thing, it's, the Heisman last time I checked, Dan, goes to the best player in college football, right? I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm missing something here, but uh, Chase Young is clearly the best player in college football. I mean, it's not even – Joe Burrow is better than Chase Young? No, he's not. He's not. No, there's not one coach that would take Joe Burrow over Chase Young if you're doing a draft, and Joe Burrow's really good. You know, I mean, I know quarterback's the most important position on the field, but there's other quarterbacks you could take. I mean, Justin Fields is not the Heisman favorite like Joe Burrow is, but Justin Fields is really good. I might take Justin Fields over Joe Burrow, um, and I like Joe Burrow a lot. But Chase Young is clearly the best player in college football. If he stays healthy, it's going to be fun to watch. I made two predictions on this show about a month ago to try and get him on the record. One was that Fields would ultimately get picked before Trevor Lawrence in the draft, and a certain director of recruiting for 24-7 sports scoffed at me, and I think now we're on our way towards seeing that take place. And I, by the way, when it does happen, I think it's going to be a big gap. And secondly, I said I thought Chase Young would be a Heisman pitcher by now. It's very possible that he gets 20 sacks. I think he'll also end up splitting votes with Fields, but I think the goal would be here for both of them to get invited to New York. you think that's possible? It's possible. It's unlikely, especially now that they've pared it down. I mean, we're so used to being college football fans for so long and reporters that we're still used to the days where they'd have four or five guys there. It's Basically, they've parsed it down to three guys. So I, I, if they only have three guys, it's going to be hard for Ohio State to get two guys there. It's probably going to be Chase Young will, will be Ohio State's uh, representative. I mean, Justin Fields um, is – his quarter, if they did quarterback rating, he'd be in New York and win the award probably. Well, maybe not over Chase Young. But the problem with him is a lot of times with Heisman, it's the accumulated stats, like how many yards do you have? And, you know, Justin Fields is not going to blow anybody away with his yardage because he's been playing half of football games. But if you look right. at, like, touchdown interception radio, 24 to 1, when they need to run him, he does a great job. Now, his rushing stats don't look good. Why? Because sacks, for some reason, are counted against rushing stats in college, unlike the NFL. Um, so it makes quarterbacks rushing stats it's just you know very misleading. Um, if you want to look at just the plays where he actually ran and wasn't sacked, that would be a, a much better gauge of his rushing numbers. So Justin Fields will not have the numbers to win the Heisman. It's just a numbers thing, and he won't have it. And he's overshadowed by 
uh, a teammate. Um, I think it's going to be Chase Young in New York. Um, and, man, if he has, like, 18 sacks by then, which would sound crazy at the beginning of the year, there's four games left. That's just one per game plus an extra half. Um, you know, I mean, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty impressive, and I think he can do it. And I think that would maybe get him over the top of the first defensive player since Charles Woodson to win. I know Woodson returned punts and caught a few balls as well as a receiver, but it was basically, you know, as a defensive player. And he won it over Peyton Manning, as I don't need to tell anybody in Tennessee about. They're still mad about that, which is funny. Um but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be two Buckeyes, Dan. I think it'll be just Chase Young. But what a good problem to have. And, and J.K. Dobbins is like, hey, what about me? How about three Buckeyes go? But uh, we'll see what happens. I think it's just going to be Chase Young as a Heisman finalist. I, I like your optimism and Chase winning it. Charles Woodson did not win it because he played defense. He won it for, like, three or four catches he made. That You know what I mean? That became highlights. So when people characterize that as a defensive player winning it, it's a little bit askew. But I will say this. The, the campaign for Chase has started early enough that if he has another, like, outlandish four-sack game, that, that maybe he can pull it off. And Dominican Sue was the last guy to get invited to New York, and he was dominant regardless of what you think of him as a pro he was unbelievable i had this discussion with bill like who would you take over the you know, both boses and chase i'm not sure who who you would take i don't think you can go wrong with any of them but just in terms of dominance and just the physical presence i've never seen anything like it but even at ohio state so it's incredible all right let's let's hit the national scene a little bit here back is not here today so dave's going to step in and give us his brand of wit and wisdom. I want to go over a couple other results from around the nation and then put in context Ohio State's quest for a playoff berth. First, let's keep it relatively local. Michigan, by far their best game in a long time, crushed Notre Dame. Did this prove that Michigan is really good, or did this prove that Michigan is just better than Notre Dame? Well, I was surprised Michigan blew them out. I did not see that coming at all. Um, You know, we made fun of Michigan fans for taking a a moral victory lap because they, they didn't get blown out against Penn State after looking like they were going to get blown out. But maybe they did find something in the second half there in Happy Valley when they really completely outplayed Penn State. Penn State's lucky they didn't lose that game because if that goes to overtime, I don't know if Penn State's winning that game. They couldn't move the ball. Um, and maybe they would have you know, actually you know, not tried to just run up the middle every play in overtime. So they would have got things going. But, no, I was surprised to see that. And as I mentioned before with Don Brown, it seems like he's finally adjusting a little bit where he's not just going man every play. He's actually mixing in some zone. So, uh, he, I guess he can thank Ohio State for that. Um, but, yeah, they, they – I still – I mean, the game being in Ann Arbor, that, it concerns me. It's always going to concern me. It's the Ohio State-Michigan game. I'm a child of the 90s. I was, many a Thanksgiving was ruined um, by the maize and blue. So, um, yeah, they're definitely looking better than they were early in the year, to put it mildly. I mean, Wisconsin could have beat them 59 to nothing just to have pull a random score out there if they wanted to. Wisconsin got a 50 or 35 nothing and called the dogs off. That game ended up being 35-14. Um, and we saw what Ohio State did to Wisconsin. So Wisconsin looks like they're going the wrong way. Michigan is going the right way, although maybe it's just that Notre Dame is really bad. And it also makes Georgia look bad because Georgia barely beat Notre Dame at home. And Notre Dame gets blown out by Michigan, who everybody thinks is average. And, you know, Georgia, everybody wanted to be like, oh, that was just a fluke against South Carolina. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe Georgia's just not that good. Maybe Georgia kept the wrong quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I think um, – Michigan all of a sudden has uh, has piqued my interest in the wrong way. I was hoping they would just go away and it'd be a two-team race between Ohio State and Penn State, and it really still is because Michigan has two losses in the Big Ten. But as far as being a threat to Ohio State, I was hoping the Buckeyes would go up to Ann Arbor and have no worries at all. Even though I knew that was probably a, a faulty mindset, and um, but that's going to be a tough game. I really believe that. I said that even before this week. I said I thought between the two games, maybe because the Penn State game is in Columbus and 
the other games in Ann Arbor. I thought the, of the two games, the Michigan game would be harder for Ohio State than Penn State. We'll see. They're both going to be tough games, and it's too bad Ohio State has to play them in back-to-back weeks. But, hey, um, they know what's in front of them. They get a week off. Then they get two more weeks off. No, I'm kidding. They get a week off, and they get to play Rutgers and Maryland, and then they get to play the two teams that's going to decide their regular season. And if they, you know, obviously Ohio State's going to be a lock for the playoff if they win out. So and you can even make the argument, if they have a close loss to Michigan or Penn State and they still win the Big Ten, well, it'd have to be against Michigan, I guess. They could still sneak in, but uh, let's, not, let's not even worry about that. Let's just go undefeated and uh, have no worries at all for the Buckeyes. Penn State crushed Michigan State. We'll talk plenty about Penn State over the next few weeks because, like you said, the way the schedule breaks down, that's really the next clear test for the Buckeyes. From a national perspective, Oklahoma gagged hard. LSU beat Auburn. Alabama cruised with a backup quarterback. Give me your vibe on the national scene then and maybe your four playoff teams to wrap things up here. Yeah, that was uh, interesting, to say the least, Oklahoma losing to Kansas State. Um... You know, I made the comment on Twitter, maybe I jumped the gun on this a little bit, that that pretty much eliminates the Big 12. It really doesn't. Now, frankly, I, I will admit this, I completely forgot about Baylor. I tend to forget that that school even exists. Um, so they are undefeated. I should have mentioned that. Matt Rule is a really good coach. He's a guy that I do not want to see end up at Michigan. So maybe it's good that Michigan's getting some things going, that they'll be just good enough where Harbaugh keeps his job. Matt Rule doesn't go there, Matt Campbell. Um, but that really shakes things up. Even if Oklahoma wins out, I mean, your losses to Kansas State, and what's your best win? You're going to beat Texas twice? Uh, Texas also not good. So where's Oklahoma's quality win going to be? And they're going to have a bad loss. So they're not going to be able to make up for it with a quality win or even close. So okay. Oklahoma could just be out. Where if it's Ohio, this is, I'm being serious. If you're sitting there at 12 and 1, if Ohio State, God forbid Ohio State loses to Michigan by a last second field goal. And that's their only loss. And Ohio State's look great. They, let's say they take care of Penn State. It's not even, it's not a blowout, but they beat them with ease the previous week and they've blown everybody else out. And they had their one loss to Michigan on a field goal. And Oklahoma, they're also sitting there 12 and 1 that comes down to Ohio State and Oklahoma. If the committee is being serious with themselves, they would take Ohio State in a heartbeat over Oklahoma. But again, hopefully Ohio State doesn't make it interesting. But yeah, if you're sitting there, it's going to be tough for Oklahoma to get in. I mean, if they're sitting there 12 and 1, which is their best case scenario, who are they getting in over? They're not getting in over a one loss SEC team. They're not getting in over a one loss Ohio State, in my opinion. Pac 12, now if Oregon runs the table, maybe they could. I mean, it's just really hurts the Big 12. And it also, unfortunately, opens the door up for two teams from the SEC making it. I'm sure if you ask any SEC fan, they think it's a lock now. They're going to have two teams in, so maybe they will. So, um, yeah, if I'm predicting right now, Ohio State, Clemson, God, I don't want to say this, Alabama and LSU. That's probably what's going to happen is whoever loses that game, they're going to be like, whoa, there's, they're the second best team in the country because they just lost to the best team in the country. You know how that works. We've seen that song and dance before. We saw Alabama and LSU have a rematch in the national championship game when we, during the BCS era. So um, they'll find a way to get two SEC teams in there if they can. So my, right now my prediction is Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and LSU. Yeah, I wonder if Penn State comes here and loses on a last-second field goal and blows everybody else out, and Penn State is a one-loss team. With Ohio State ends up ranked number one, and Penn State's only loss is on the road at the that's number one team on the last second. That's actually another possibility. I've never been more scared of one human being in football than K.J. Hamler. He's the only one out there I see that can ruin the party, but the party looks like it's going to go on for quite some time. We appreciate Dave stopping by on a Sunday morning. He does enough of this during the week, so we appreciate him making some extra your time for us and you buck nutters have a good one hello everyone 
it's Micah Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. <laughs> 